these words from the Apostle Paul. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord. With ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake, before God, who said, let light shine out of the darkness has shone in our hearts to give light to the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed, but we do not despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be made manifest in our bodies. And Lord, that is why we gather today. We gather today to get a glimpse of your glory in the face of your son, Jesus Christ. So Lord, what we do not already know about him, would you show us? What we have not yet learned about him, would you teach us? And the parts of us that do not yet look like him, would you mold us for your glory? We are but jars of clay filled with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it makes broken things beautiful for the fame of your name, Jesus Christ our Lord, and all God's people said. Amen. Please have a seat. Grab your Bibles as you grab your seat and open up to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Yes, I know we are in um, Lamentations and we will get there in a minute, Lord willing. But right now we're going to start out in Hebrews chapter 10 and talk a little bit about hope. It's already been a powerful morning. Um... If you're watching online, welcome. I hope you can come here soon and um, because online does not do justice to what the Spirit's presence in this room does. Um, in Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 35, it says, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which, is, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance. I heard a lot of that today. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not as those who shrink back and are destroyed. But are as those who have faith that, that preserves our souls. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. You know, last week we talked a lot about lamenting, and specifically we talked a lot about lamenting loss. And before I jump into Lamentations again, and we're in this series that we're calling Learning to Lament in Light of the Gospel, which is very much what we were already praying about over the last, the first hour of our service today, is how do we lament in, in, in our brokenness in light of the beauty of the gospel? Um, I want to give us another chance um, to lament a little bit. But rather than lament loss, I, the loss of a person, the loss of a job, the loss of your health, the lo I want you to lament lies. Guys, because everyone in here, and you didn't have to come to prayer today to see it, but it was so spirit orchestrated that that's where prayer went today, is that we all are wounded people. Guys, we've all, if, 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 if you're not wounded, you're not living. Because the only way you can go through life not being wounded is to isolate yourself from what life is really about. And that's relationship. And because we're all wounded people, we all have scars. And so right now on your table, there, there are cards, like there are every week. There's, there are some that don't have holes in them. Leave them alone for now. But everybody grab a card that has a hole punched in it. 
and I'm going to tell you what you're going to write on that card. If you need more, raise your hand, and, and Michael Bailey will bring you more cards, even though he didn't know that until just this very moment. So, sorry about that, Michael. But guys, everyone in here is wounded. And you guys, if you're sitting here right now and you're going, you know what, I'm not wounded, there's your wound. Right? The fact that, the fact that you're, because here's, here's what your wound is. Your wound is, I have to be strong. Somewhere in your life, someone told you, you have to be strong all the time. And that is a wound. Because that's not possible. Not in any healthy way. So guys, what are the lies, what are the lies that the enemy has taken in your life? Maybe it was something, maybe it was past sins that, that, you're, that you've struggled with seeing God's forgiveness in. As Sean just talked about during our time of, of music. Maybe it's, maybe it's a struggle you're still in and you just cannot believe that God's grace is sufficient for that. Maybe it's words that someone spoke over you as a child. Or a boss or a teacher spoke over you as an adult. And maybe it wasn't even that big a deal. Honestly, maybe, maybe at the time you were kind of like, you know what, I, I don't really think those words wounded me that much, but the enemy has taken that little thing and little by little over the years has turned it into something that you may not even be consciously aware of the fact that you're struggling with, and you have now taken that and projected it out in all kinds of unhealthy ways, again, that you might not even be aware of. I'm going to sit, like I did last week, and just let the Spirit do the work. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Whatever those things are, big, small, and however you want to say them, write them down on that card with the hole in it. Just, it, it, just be, it could just be a word. That, you don't have to write the whole thing. It could just be a word. Nobody's going to look at these. Not your parents. Not your spouse. Not the people at your table, but write down the, the, the lies. Maybe it's stuff that you're telling yourself all the time. So just take a minute. Father, I just pray right now. The dangerous prayer that David prayed, search us, O God, and know our hearts. Try us and know our anxious thoughts. And Lord, I want to pray that you would specifically bring to mind the things right now, the lies that have been whispered by the enemy, maybe for years, that we have owned way more than we should have. Maybe you're having a hard time thinking of stuff. Like I said, maybe it's write down fear. The fear of being vulnerable. The fear of being known. Maybe the enemy has told you that if I actually let people know what I struggle with, they would not want to be with me. Maybe it's pride. Maybe the word of condemnation that you have been listening to is your own, and it's just saying, you know what? I don't have anything that I need to write down. I don't have anything that, any junk that I need to deal with. Guys, you can stay there. You can stay in that place. This isn't about me. This isn't for me. I don't, you know, I, I don't need to deal with that. Jesus dealt with it all. I'm here to tell you, yeah, Jesus did. But he deals with the stuff we bring to him, not the stuff we hide from him. The gospel of Jesus Christ 
is for broken people. It's the only people it's for. The gospel does not work for people who think they have it all together. So here's what I want you to do, and I know some of you aren't done, and some of you are sitting there staring at me like, what in the world are we doing now? And that's okay. There's room for both here. I want you to put an X through everything you just wrote down. And then here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn the card over. Because that was the back of the card. Here's the front. You're going to write four words on, this, on the front of this card. Just four words. So you can write them as big as you want. And those four words are fully. Write it down. Fully. F-U-L-L-Y. Freely, forever, forgiven. The truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that in Christ we are fully, freely, forever forgiven. Guys, that's the reality of who you are if you're in Christ. Yes, the enemy can work on all that junk on the back of your card, but we have to renew our minds constantly with what you just wrote on the front. And what I would ask you to do is sometime today during the service, I would ask you, it could be while I'm teaching, you won't bother me at all, it could be during the time of response at the end, it could be, but hang them on the cross and front side out, and as you do, thank Jesus For the truth of the gospel. That in Christ you are fully, freely, and forever forgiven. Last week we talked about how we need to rest in his reign. Today we're going to remember his restoration. So go to Lamentations. I have no idea why my mic keeps doing that. Um, I I apologize. Go to Lamentations, and we're going we're gonna to pick it up, and we're going to talk about Lamentations. I'm going to give a little bit by way of review, because all of, all of our sermons, including last week's message, you can go to our website, and there, we have a messages page on our website. You can go to our Facebook page. You can go to our YouTube channel. We even have an, iPod, uh, an iTunes or an Apple podcast. So I'm not, I spent like 30 minutes laying the groundwork for why we need to be better at lamenting as God's people. And ultimately the answer is we need to lament for two reasons. One, because God, well, three reasons. One, Jesus did. Two, God shows us lamenting in his word to give us license to do it. And the third is because we need to show the world a better, healthier way. And that's about the extent of the review that I'm going to go through. I don't, so if, if you're still kind of going, wait a minute, Doug, I, I don't really understand why you're making such a big deal out of lamenting. Go back and watch or listen to last week's message and hopefully you'll get it there. But, but we need to understand that, that lamenting is biblical. It does not necessarily fix the condition or the circumstances we're in, but it does change our perspective. It does change our perspective, especially when we remember that the restoration of our souls and of all of creation is coming in Christ. And so with that, our big idea today, the question we're going to answer today is, how do we fix our eyes on the hope of Jesus in a world that is full of hurts? Because, because believe it or not, guys, lamentations, which if you did the reading today, you're like, man, thanks a lot for this one again, Doug. Well, take it up with God. It's in his word. Lamentations is a book of hope. Don't believe it? Let me show it to you. If you take a look at Lamentations, look at Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 18. He says this. So I say, my endurance has perished, so has my hope from the Lord. There's the word hope. Now look at verse 21. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. So he went from no hope to having hope. But then look at verse 24. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will or may 
hope in him. So I will have hope in him. There in verse 29, let him put forth, let, let him put his mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. So maybe there'll be hope. So you look and you go, okay, I see the word hope a lot, but what I just saw right there in, in the span of just a few verses, right in the very middle of Lamentations, and that's important for a reason I'll get to in a second, right in the middle of Lamentations is this whole concept of hope. I see hope lost. I see hope found, and I see hope questioned. All right there in the middle of this. Now, why would that be? Why, why wouldn't God just answer his question right, like just, and move on and make chapters 4 and 5 glorious? Because that, as we talked last week, that is not how lamenting, that is not how mourning tends to work. Right? It is cyclical in nature. Our lives are cyclical in nature. We don't just get over something and move on in joy. We get over something, we move on in joy, and then we find ourselves back there holding on to part of it again. And hopefully the general trend is upward, and we're getting more and more healthy in that situation. But we have to, be, we have to remember that it doesn't make us anything other than human to cycle back into those seasons of lamenting about something. It just is who we are. And to deny that is, to deny, is, is in that moment that you deny it. You are actually denying the grace of Christ to work in that moment in your life. Because that's, and, and, and lamentations, not only lamentations being in the Bible, but the way the Holy Spirit inspired, we think, Jeremiah, the prophet, to write it, tells us not only this is what lamentation, this is not what lamenting is, but this is, what, this is how you do it. It's cyclical. Do you remember I talked last week about, um, about how the book of Lamentations, four of the chapters have 22 verses because there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. The middle chapter has 66 verses because all, every third verse starts with the, 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 first, the letter of the Hebrew alphabet. All of that was to bring us to this point of going, unlike the way we make arguments, which is we, we tend to make our strong point at the beginning of the argument and then in our conclusion, the way that Near Eastern, the way Jeremiah's mind would have worked, the way God's people would have worked, oh, by the way, the way Jesus' mind worked was far more that the main argument was in the middle of the message. Like literally, the, the, we talk, it's called a chiasm in, in Bible study. And so verses, our chapters 1 and 2 lead to chapters 3. Chapters 4 and 5 lead backwards to chapter 3. And that's how I'm going to teach them today, is we're going to teach them backwards. So when it says, so, so when the question, so, so what we're going to look at today is we're going to start in chapter 5, and we're going to say, so, so how do we find this hope in a world that's full of hurt? One, chapter 5, crying out to God. Chapter 4, about the brokenness in the world, leads us back to the middle, chapter 3, which is the reminder of the healing and hope of Christ. And that's ultimately where we're going to end up, Lord willing, if, if, if I can get through it all in a reasonable time. So let's look at our first point. Chapter 5, verse 1, crying out to our Lord. Crying out to our Lord. He says this. Remember, O Lord, what has befallen us. Look, that's the Hebrew word for behold, and see our disgrace. Our inheritance is turned over to strangers, our homes to foreigners. Now guys, understand, God could have at that point, God could have even before here, for Jeremiah, he could have said, Jeremiah, hang in there, buddy. What, what do we see in, in Nehemiah? Nehemiah told, what, from the time that Jeremiah wrote this, God could have said, Nehemiah, it, this is only going to last 70 years. And in 70 years, I'm going to raise up this man named Cyrus that, oh, by the way, Isaiah, the prophet who was 100 years before you, called him by name 200 years before he existed. That, that guy Cyrus you read about in Isaiah's letter, pro prophecy, is going to rise up and he's going to let you return. This lamenting is only going to last 70 years. Why doesn't God tell him that? Oh, maybe he could have even gone, hey, let me just let you in on a bigger secret. Galatians. When Paul writes in Galatians, when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a virgin. Why, why doesn't he give Nehemiah a glimpse of this? Here's why. Because God is giving Nehemiah the space to lament. God is saying there is not always a quick fix to your pain. 
that, that ultimately, guys, pain is part of the program. That, that, that pain is part of your and my and God's glory story. And, and, and the fact that Lamentations is here, and the fact that, oh, by the way, so are a third of the Psalms that are laments, tells us it is not out of the ordinary. In fact, it is just normal to struggle and to sometimes experience pain. Guys, it is in those times of lamenting, it is in those times of pain, it's in those times of mourning that grace is shown the most clearly. It's why so many people were moved to tears even in prayer time today. It's because in the pain, you just see the goodness of God. Look at verses 19 through 22, the, the, way, the, the way this book ends. But you, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures to all generations. So this is like, this is like Jeremiah's desire to pump himself back up and say, Why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake so many days? Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and remain exceedingly angry with us. God could have written, could have said, let me tell you a little bit about what's going to happen in Revelation 21 and 22. And he chose not to because he wants us to know. He wanted Jeremiah to know that, that it's okay to struggle. That it's okay. Guys, this book is a book, this, this whole Bible, but certainly Lamentations, is a book soaked with tears. And if you don't ever weep, there's something broken in you. We're, we're all broken. There's something broken in you specifically that leads back to why you don't weep. Because lamenting is biblical. Jesus wept. Really wept. Not just to show us something. He really lamented. We saw that last week and we'll see it again this week. Suffering is part of the glory. Guys, it's, it's here's the thing though. We have taken words like lamenting and mourning and grief and grieving and we've turned them into anger and bitterness and rage and guys, social media and the media and the, all it's doing is, just, is, is making more readily available what's going on in our world. But I'm just here to tell you that, that we are so uncomfortable with the idea of, of mourning and, and just sort of dealing with our own pain that we quit, especially men, but not just men, that the, the, the enemy's default to our pain is anger. It is. And so we have turned We've turned this process from mourning into anger and into conflict and into um, so many. So just by, at, in God's providence, as I'm reading through Paul Tripp's um, New Morning Mercies, it's a devotional he wrote a few years ago. We gave him out um, as gifts to the leadership several years ago. I'm just, I, I start my morning this reading his devotional before I get into the word just to wake my brain up. This was just a couple days ago, actually, um, as, as God would have it. So I'm gonna, it's going to come up on the screen because it's kind of a long quote. So it says this, now there are really only two responses we can have to the brokenness that, com that complicates all of our lives, cursing or mourning. Let's be honest. Cursing, and so you can think of cursing as like, we think of it as like a foul word. What he means is complaining. So think of complaining. Complaining or cursing is the more common response. We curse the fact that we have to deal with flawed people. We curse the fact that we have to deal with things that don't work right. We curse the fact that we have to deal with disease and death. We curse the fact that promises get broken, relationships shatter, and dreams die. We curse the realities of pain and suffering. It all makes us irritated, impatient, bitter, angry, and discontent. Seriously. Just get on Twitter. That's all you have to do to see if that's true in the world. But cursing or complaining is all about our comfort, our pleasure, our ease. Cursing is fundamentally self-centered. But he goes on. Mourning, lamenting, to use our word of the day, 
is the much better response. Mourning embraces the tragedy of the fall. Mourning acknowledges that the world is not the way God meant it to be. Mourning cries out for God's redeeming, restoring hand. Mourning acknowledges the suffering of others. Mourning is about something bigger than the fact that life is hard. Mourning grieves what sin has done and longs for the Redeemer to come and make his broken world new again. Mourning, then, is a response that is prompted by grace. Cursing or complaining is the default language of the kingdom of self. But mourning is the default language of the kingdom of God. Which language will you speak today? Guys, do you remember in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 when he says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted? Guys, although that is certainly a promise that the Price family and many others that have lost people can cling to, that's not what Jesus was talking about. The Beatitudes are kingdom content. He is saying, blessed are those who mourn for the brokenness in this world. Because someday it will change. You will be comforted. But guys, in the meantime, we are to be those vessels of his good news. We are to be those people that bring, the the only way you're going to find hope in all this brokenness is for us to take it to the world. If not you, who? If not now, when? But guys, if, if if what we look like, if how we behave at school, at work, on social media, wherever it is, it looks no different than the world does, what are we saying? Here's what we need to recognize. We have fallen into the trap of the enemy and allowed the pain of this world the frustration of the age, to turn into anger and bitterness and all those other things that Tripp listed. Here's your table talk question, and I'm going to invite Scott McAllister up, and he's going to lead us through what we're going to do with it, but I'm just going to read this to you. How do we hold on to hope and help others? Guys, here's how. There is an entire world out there that doesn't know the hope that can only be found in Christ. Lament the lostness of people. Guys, absolutely it frustrates me with what's going on in our nation right now. But if all we do is get angry about it, we're just, we're no different than them. Honestly, we are no different. Lament the lostness of people, but don't get angry at them. Bring the hope of Christ to them. That's why Christ saved you. Can you share your hope in Christ? And with that, Scott McAllister is going to share a little bit about how we're doing that. There you are. Okay. Good morning, guys. All right. So who here remembers we talked about this Project Engage a couple weeks ago? Who here has never, has no clue what I'm talking about? Okay. Well, we're going to cover one more time. So Project Engage is a new evangelism tool that we're, we're building, and so it's not ready yet, but we want to kind of get everyone on this side ready to start engaging with it. So what it is, essentially, is... Uh, a way for us to share how God is engaging in our lives and in our hearts with people that we don't even know, or maybe we do know. And so the, the idea is, is write something on a, on a card, handwritten, and then give that to someone throughout your week, and it might be a complete stranger, which is like, <gasps> some people are pretty freaked out about that. Um, but that's okay. So we're going we're gonna to work towards that end. So what we want to do is guide people to Jesus. That's what this whole thing's about. We want to get people on the boat of, of the Lord. And so uh, who here, even the thought of this, would be terrified to hand something like this to a stranger? Raise your hand. Okay. Who here feels bold enough to go up to a complete stranger and just say, hey, Jesus loves you and so do I? Cool. All right. So that... Who here is kind of like, ah, that's not for me. Okay, that's, like, honesty is good. Like, I remember there was a time when I was like, who does that? (laughs) Right? So that just sounds crazy. So uh, then I started hanging around with some really crazy people for Jesus, and uh, it started rubbing off on me. And so that's really what uh, I hope to do through this journey is is to get you to think about what I, what I believe the Lord wants is us for to lament the lost and the reality of what their future is if they do not find the hope in Jesus. And if that lamenting the lost and their future 
can impact our hearts enough to go, you know what, I don't care if this makes me look crazy. I don't care if this makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't care because their reality of the future without Jesus terrifies me. And it's going to motivate me enough to do something about it. If we could be a people that would say, okay, there is a generation, there is people all around us that are going to the wrong place, and it's over my dead body. Would we stand like that? Would we stand in the gap, right? All right, so Project Engage, since you guys remember, we're not going to go through the video. There's a video series. Essentially what we'll do is imagine handing this card to someone, saying whatever it is that the Lord put on your heart, with the, with the ability for them to go on their iPhone and hit a QR code and then go through a video series that continues the conversation and keeps leading them to Jesus. You don't ha- we don't have all the time in the world to do that in the, in, the, in the workplace or the marketplace, but we can do that virtually through a video series. So that's essentially what it is. So right now, what we're going to do is we're going to practice. Practice makes... Perfect. Okay, so good. So on your tables, you will see that you have pens and you have papers. We're going to use those, and we're going to practice right now, okay? Because again, if anyone's nervous about this, okay, that's all right. We're going to get through it. All right, so on that paper... I want you to write something. This is not going into circulation, by the way, so you can feel really calm about this. All right, this is just practice. And if you're at home or you're on uh, live stream, uh, you can practice as well. So what I want you to do is write something, uh, and you can be creative. You can write anything like to the simple point of Jesus loves you, to what is God doing in your heart and in your life right now that you could share with someone that would encourage them to, to dig into Jesus, okay? So start writing, and if you're still thinking, well, I don't have an idea, uh, there's a bunch of Christian songs out there that you could literally just look up and write Christian lyrics to a song down. Like, that's how simple it could be. Because there's a lot of really good things, or it's a verse, right? So one of the things that, and I'll just throw this out there, there's a verse that I was thinking about that if I was writing my card right now, I might go, it might sound something like this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in prayer and in petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then below that I would say, with all that is going on in the world today, do you have peace? check out this link, right? Because I don't know about you, the people that are, I'm, I'm surrounded by are really kind of like freaking out and they're really needing some peace. And the only peace I can offer them is cryptocurrency. No, I'm just kidding, right? It's not. That's not where it's at. It's not stocks. It's not any of that. It's Jesus, right? So keep writing, So write again, either a verse or something that you could say that God impacted you personally that you would like to tell a complete stranger. It could be your original testimony. It could be, you know what, one day I thought God was a joke. And today I know him to be my savior, my Lord, my peace. And I want that for you too. Right? Because essentially that's true for all of us. Essentially there was, a, there was a time when we didn't really put our trust and our hope in God. And today we do. Or it might be something that happened this week. It might be something like, I was praying to the God of heaven about a friend who has a sick person in their family. And today that person's getting well. And I serve a God who is alive, who answers our prayers. Do you need prayer? (laughs) Hit the link. You know, that kind of stuff, right? So any of that, just write it. And I'm going to give you like 60 more seconds.
Okay, when you have it completed, I want you to raise it in the air. Okay, we're getting there. Here's another idea. We went to a Christian concert last night, listened to Johnny Diaz, and he sang a song that was really cool. And he's, he's basically prefacing by saying, um, you know, you might have met a representative of Jesus and they turned you off, but if you met the real, if you met Jesus himself, I promise you, you would fall in love. And I was like, that's so cool. <laughs> like, because we're all a mess and we, mess, we misrepresent God a lot, you know. We, we, we don't do it perfectly. We're trying to do what we can to point people to Jesus, but sometimes we mess it up. But if they met Jesus himself, man, that would be incredible. They would fall in love. So, all right, if you got it, raise it up. Good. Okay, so now we're going to do phase two of training. You ready? Go to someone that you do not know in this room right now. Stand up. Stand up. And go to someone you don't know and hand them your card and say something like, hey, I wrote this and I wanted it to go to you. Someone you don't know or don't know very well. Again, this is, this is the only circulation it's going to see is this one person. I didn't get one. <laughs> no, this is good. And then I want, as soon as you're done, I want one volunteer. I need one volunteer that just did that uh, to come up and share uh, how that went for you. One volunteer. Who's never, oh, hold on, someone that's never done that before, who's never handed something like this to a stranger, who, give me a hand, anyone that's never done something like this? Tina. Yep. It's okay. So I'm putting you on the spot. So, so was this totally out of your comfort zone? No. No, because we're here? Because I'm not, I'm fairly outgoing, so it doesn't bother me too much. So do you feel like you could do that, say, at the gas station where I saw you? I saw you two days ago at the gas station, by the way. <laughs> yeah. You saw the line inside and you walked out. <laughs> but, so do you feel like if you had this card on your person and you walked in that gas station, maybe when the clerk uh, checked you out and did whatever, do you feel like you could hand that to them? I feel like I could because I think I feel more comfortable with people I really know or people I don't know at all because I probably won't ever see them again, so I don't really care if they think I'm crazy. Cool. Perfect. Thank you. All right, guys, so we're going to keep doing things like this as we lead up to the launch of Project Engage, but eventually what's going to happen is we're going to have cards that you're going to be able to fill out, uh, kind of like what you did today, but it'll have a QR code on it, and it'll lead people to a digital conversation to meet Jesus and learn more about who he is. So uh, thanks, guys, for, for playing along. Amen. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, guys, do you, um, first of all, just, yeah, it's, it's such an exciting idea as, as, as we continue to move forward, like get us out of here, like we gather so we can go, and um, but sometimes the going, part, I mean, the going part is often the hardest for all kinds of reasons, but one of them is because we just don't really have a tangible way of going that we, that, that we know um, that we've been trained in. So I'm excited for what Scott's bringing to the table in that. But guys, part, part of what's so amazing about even just this morning and, how, and where Scott led us here and where Brian led us in our time of prayer, and guys, do you remember how good it felt to hear during the prayer time, how good it felt to, to just hear God's promises being read over you. There is a world out there that never hears that. And I know immediately we can go to, they don't want to, they don't, I, I, I understand that. The harvest is plentiful, Jesus said. 
most of the world won't respond. He also said that. But the reality is, the harvest is plentiful. What he said is, the workers are few. What was his solution to that? Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would raise up us, workers for his field. Right? There is a world out there that needs to hear the promises that you soaked in this morning. What they do with those things once they hear it is between them and the Lord. We don't, we don't need to see success as how many people do we dunk in our horse trough. We need to succeed success as how many people do we just share the truth of what Scott just led us through. That there is a God in heaven who loves them. And here's a promise that he has given to me I'd love to give to you. So with that and how it relates even to our question today is if our question or our big picture that we're talking about today is how do we fix our eyes on the hope of Jesus in a world full of hurts? The first thing was that we have crying out to the Lord, Lamentations 5, helps us, uh, or excuse me, about the brokenness that is going on in our world. So crying out to him about what we see in the world, and that's Lamentations chapter 4. So look at chapter 4, and I'm just going to read three verses, and these last two points do go fairly quickly. In Lamentations 4 verse 1, Jeremiah says this, how the gold has dimmed, how the pure gold has changed. The holy stones lie scattered at the head of every street. Guys, he's, he's using metaphor. It's God's people he's talking about. The precious sons of Zion worth their weight in fine gold. How they, have regard, how they are regarded as earthen pots, the work of a potter's hands. He's saying that, man, God's people have been brought low. Look at verse 3. Even jackals offer their breasts, they nurse their young. He's saying, guys, even the scavengers and, the, and like the dark animals, that's what a jackal would have been in, in, in Jeremiah's time and location. He's saying even the, the, the demon dogs take care of their kids, take care of each other, is what he's saying. And then he goes, but look at this. But he says, but the daughter of my people has become cruel, like the ostrich in the wilderness. And again, we're like, I'm ostrich. We don't have a lot of ostriches running around here, unless you've been to the ostrich ranch on the way to Tucson. And it says, but here's ultimately what it amounts to. In, in Jeremiah's time, here's what they would have understood. Ostriches were notorious for taking care of their own and kicking out any that were not theirs. Right? They were notorious at taking care, and what I mean by their own is I just mean them singly. I don't mean other ostriches. They were notorious about treating other ostriches poorly instead of taking care of the community. And so I look and I go, so ultimately what he's saying here is instead of all that we've read in Lamentations leading them to repentance, like lament and repent and return, what it, what it led God's people to is hard-heartedness First towards each other, and then towards the world. Guys, they, were, they, they, had turned, they had turned, instead of having hearts that were broken, they turned everything to the blame game. Here, the reason this is happening to us is because all that is wrong in the world. And I don't have time, nor is this a message about what's going on in our nation, but I've, I've hit it pretty hard in 2021. Guys, we have nobody to blame but ourselves for what has gone on in our country in the last 40 years or in the last four months. We have nobody to blame but ourselves. It is not the Democrats' fault that our country is literally going to hell. It just isn't. It is the church's fault. And we need to own it. And if I've offended you, I'm glad. Honestly, I am. Because we got to get over it and stop posting stuff about politics and start talking and start preaching Christ. And I said I wasn't even going to talk about it, and then I did anyway, so here we go. Guys, I want to show you, though, a picture of what it looks like to, br to be broken, like to, to hurt, to lament the brokenness in the world. It's, we're not going to spend time teaching through it. I, I am going to ask you to, so go to, go to John chapter 11. I'm going to ask you, I, I just hit me this morning as I was praying about this, 
that, that I want to ask you, in addition to our daily readings that we're going through the Old Testament story and, and, and sort of seeing how all this fits together so we can tell the story of the good news of the gospel that started in the garden in Genesis, but I, but I, I want to encourage you, in addition to those readings, to read and meditate on John chapter 11 and the story of raising Lazarus from the dead from now through Resurrection Sunday, which is only two weeks from now. I want to just challenge you that at least twice a week, this week, and twice a week next week, you would read through this and ask the Spirit to reveal to you, like, where are you in this story? Again, I'm not going to read the whole thing to you because you know the story, I think, fairly well. I don't, I'm not even there. I mean, back in Hebrews where I was earlier. I'm not, I'm not positive. But, the, I, but remember, Lazarus was the brother of Mary and Martha. They were very good friends of Jesus. They lived in a little town that was only a, f- a couple miles away from Jerusalem. And Jesus stops there, or is going to go there because Lazarus has died. Jesus delays his, on purpose. He delays going there just to make sure that everybody understands that Lazarus is really, really dead. Right? And, and then he arrives. And if you look at, if you, we're just going to pick it up. Um, I'm going to pick it up actually in chapter 11 and in verse 21. So Jesus has entered. He under, like everybody's in mourning because they would, mourning was a, like mourning death was a big deal in their culture. And so he says in verse 21, he says, Martha, the, the, remember Martha was the sister of the two that was always like the most active. So Martha, it says, Martha runs up to Jesus and says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. He's, I mean, now, we look at that, and we know the heart of a sister for her brother, and we know, the heart, we know that Martha loved Jesus, but there is a certain amount of blame here. He's, what she is saying to Christ is, this, my pain, would not have happened if you'd done your job. Because I know if you had been here, this would not have happened. And guys, that, I'm not blaming Martha for that. That is a completely human response. And, if, and, and because we are all wounded people, we can all think of moments where, where in our heart of hearts and maybe down deep in our soul where we don't want people to see. And we are even trying to, like we talked about last week, we're trying to hide from God this idea that I, if I am angry at Christ because if he'd done his job, this would not have happened. And you look at what Jesus, Jesus turns it to eternal things. Look at verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asks one of the big questions of life. The two questions he asks that are bigger than anything in the, two, in the Gospels are, who do you say that I am? And do you believe this? He's like, Martha, do you believe this? Do you believe that I am bigger than death? Guys, there is pain here in this scene. Jesus is, is intentionally entering into this pain because it is where his power is displayed. Now, now we're going to drop down and we're going to pick it up. So, so in verse 32, let's just, in the interest of time, it says, now Mary, Mary was the sister that was always like, sitting at her, his, you know, she was always the more mellow one. This whole time, she's been in the house mourning because she's not that out there, like all the time, go, go, go person like her sister is. So, but she comes to Jesus and look at what she says. Came to where Jesus was and saw him, I'm in verse 32, and fell at his feet, which is where she found herself most of the time, and says this, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Guys, I'll just keep reading. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. I've taught on this before. We went through the Gospel of John. Guys, that is not his way of going. That is not like this little, that is like deep soul sorrow. Jesus in this moment is feeling all the feels as as a human. He is in pain. Like, I mean, his gut is, he's sick to his stomach. His heart is probably, you know, his, 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 his blood pressure's rising. All of those things are happening. That's what, that's what those words in the Greek imply. And we see it. It says, Jesus says, where have you laid him? And he said, Lord, come and see. And then, right, the shortest verse in the Bible, we all, Jesus wept. Because this was not just some false sense of, like, sadness because he wanted to show him he was relating 
This was out of his own mourning. But wait a minute, how could he mourn? He know, guys, think about this. He knows the end of the story. What happens to Lazarus? He rises, right? If I, if I, just, if I just gave it away, I'm sorry for being that, that person. But guys, he, Jesus knows I'm going to raise him from the dead. So what in the world is he crying for? I think there's several things, but he is so moved by a few things. One, he's so moved that their faith is so weak and time is really short. Because these are some of the people he has spent the most time with and one of them is dead and two of them come up to him and go, if you had done your job, my brother would still be alive. The other thing I think he's lamenting is that and this is probably the biggest one, honestly, is he is lamenting all, he's angry, I think, about all that Satan has done to God's creation. He is lamenting that there is death and illness in the world. He, now, now again, does he know the end of the story? Does he know Revelation 20, 21, 22? New heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem? Does he know it's all going to end? Does he know everything's going to change? Absolutely he does. And it doesn't change the fact that he looks around at a world that is broken, like your table talk time was, and, and instead of judging them, he weeps for them. His heart breaks for them. And then I think the last thing he weeps about is that there's just no eternal perspective here. Even if he had not raised Lazarus from the dead, Lazarus' best place would be in the presence of God. right? But they don't have that perspective. And we don't, frankly either. So again, I would ask you to take some time and look at this part, go, just if you're taking notes, so, so write down John chapter 11, starting in verse 17, and read through verse 44 in light of why is Jesus lamenting? And guys, by the way, here's the, here's the beautiful part of it all. He gets it. Right, like, like what, what God has been hitting me with since preparing for this series and then last week and then this week as I prepared for this message is, guys, praise the Lord, we serve a Savior who, whose suffering is not theory to him. Right, and, and it's not even just the, yeah, we know that he suffered on the cross and, and I don't want to diminish that. Guys, it was his life. He owned nothing. He had nowhere to live. He was probably, I'm surely he was hungry and cold and tired. He was rejected by his family. Guys, these were not theories to Christ. This is real. And for, a, to, for us to worship a God, because he was God in all that, who gets it. Bring your junk to him. What are you hiding from him that he can't possibly relate to? Which brings us to our last point. I don't know where my last point is, but it says, so where, how do we fix our eyes on the hope of Jesus in a world full of hurts? We cry out to the Lord about the brokenness in the world, and this brings us a reminder of the healing and hope in Christ now and forever. Guys, Jesus, remember we talked about this whole chiastic structure, chiasms? Right? We started in chapter 5, we're working back to chapter 4. Chapter 3 is the point Jeremiah is making. Guess who's all over chapter 3? Jesus is. Why? Because Jesus is the point God is making. Look at, look, I, just, I just want to show you guys, look, look, at, look at Jeremiah start, starting, I'll just pick it up in, in the intro, well I'm just going to pick it up in, in verse 1 of chapter 3. I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of wrath. Isaiah 53.3 says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and, was, and we esteemed him not. That's talking about Jesus. Look at, chapter, look at verse 8 of chapter 3. Though I call and cry for help, 
he shuts out my prayer. Psalm 22, Matthew 27, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. I cry by day and you do not answer me. I cry by night and have no rest. Because that's Jesus talking. And it wasn't theory. He gets it. But it doesn't even end there. Look at verse 14. I have become the laughingstock of all peoples, the object of taunts all day long. In Matthew 27, he says, And those passing by were hurling abuse at him, wagging their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. He saved others, and he cannot save himself. But here's the reality of that, of that mocking. Had he could have saved himself. Having saved himself, he would have saved no one else. And he knew it. And so even in that moment of feeling forsaken, even in that moment of, of being completely alone, even in that moment of, of unimaginable pain that went way beyond the physical, he says, I'm going to stay up here. Because if I don't, you will. And the you is a universal you. The last one, look at verse 30. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes and let him be filled with insults. Matthew 26, it says, Then they spat in his face and beat him with their fists. And others slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, you Christ. Who is it? Who is the one who hit you? Isaiah goes on or fills it out and says, He was oppressed and was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its shearers, so he did not open his mouth. Guys, what's the point of lamentations? The grace of God in the person and work of Jesus Christ. If the point of this, if, if in the midst of lamenting, if in the middle of lamenting, we find the answer, we look at Lamentations, chapters 1 and 2, chapters 4 and 5, and right in the middle, who, not what, who do we find? Jesus. That's not on accident. It's because he is the only solution. As the music team comes up and the communion trays start to go around the room. Guys, I want to remind you again about what our big idea, how do we fix our eyes on the hope of Christ in a world that is full of hurting? Guys, here's, here's how we do it. We have to filter our grief. We have to filter our loss. We have to filter our lament. We have to filter the lies. We have, to, we have to filter all of that through the image of the cross of Jesus Christ. That's the only way. Why is that the only way? Because, guys, we cannot. I, I get that when hard, guys, I get that when hard things happen, it is hard to believe God loves you. It is part of the human condition. It is what Mary and Martha were feeling. I don't blame them for what they said to Jesus. I've said worse. I get that when we experience grief and mourning and loss and we hear lies whispered about us or we're whispering them to ourselves about, our, about ourselves, it is easy to forget that Christ loves you. That's why we have to filter all of it through the cross. Because when I look at the cross, and as we spend the next two weeks walking to the cross, guys, how can we not remember God loves you? Because this is proof. If, if everything else in your life is telling you God is gone, God has just abandoned you, remember the cross. 
It is proof of the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for that truth. I thank you for the truth that you give us the space and even the model for what, for what it looks like to lament because you understand that this world is hard, because you, you too are broken about the sin that is in this world and the struggles that it brings to us, whether they be physical struggles or emotional struggles or family struggles or whatever it might be. It's, it's a product of the fall, and we do look forward to that day when the new heaven and the new earth come and and. All of that is wiped away. But until that day comes, Lord, you leave us here on purpose for a purpose. And so you have to, you give us these glimpses of, of the program. And that pain and suffering are part of it. It's not in spite of God's love. It's because of God's love. That, that in those moments of mourning, your grace shines through all the more clearly. It is, it is when we feel like everything is bad and wrong and broken, your goodness is the most distinct. But it is only literally in the middle of lamenting that we get that, that this is true. But this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I thank you for that truth in Jesus' name. Amen.